Thanks very much, Goose or Maverick, whichever one you are. All right, definitely Goose. All right, how are you guys going? I'm Jono. It's really nice to meet you from here. I've got to say, I don't know exactly who everyone is just by saying hello from here, but you get the sentiment. That's good. Um, it's, good. it's good to have you here. I especially want to say, if you guys are new tonight, I really hope you have just a sick time. I hope you have heaps of fun. I hope you get to meet a bunch of people. And I do hope that what we talk about for like the next 20 minutes is really, really helpful as well. So listen up and we'll see how we go. But finish this sentence in your head for me right now. Think in your head. Don't say it out loud. Practice doing what I say. Say it in your head. More than anything else, I need... Think about that in your head. More than anything else in the whole world, what do you need? Bacon. It's a good answer. That wasn't in your head, though. Now, there's some kids saying bacon. I reckon, tell me if this is you, there's probably some smart Alex here going, we need oxygen. That's what science tells us, and if you don't have that, you'll die. Who was thinking that? Yeah, there was a couple of smart Alex. I bet your parents at home love you for those kind of things. Yeah, that's all right. Now, maybe your answer to that question in your head, right? maybe you answer that question was basically something that you just really, really want. And so in your head, you're going, man, more than anything else, what I want is to have, have summer back because we all got ripped off this year. That sucked, and I want it to be hot, and it never was. Maybe you're sitting there going, I just want summer back. Maybe you're sitting there, if you're a boy, going, actually, what I really need is for that girl over there to notice me. Maybe you're thinking that in your head. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you're a bit older, you're going, more than anything else in the world. Whatever, man. I don't know what you're saying. No, but more than anything else in the world, maybe you're sitting there going, I need a car. I just got my P's, and if I had a car, that would be flipping amazing. It would be so good. Or maybe you're like 12, and you're going, I wish I had a car as well. I'd just drive it anyway. Maybe that's you. Now, maybe that's what you're thinking. It could be, though, that as you thought about that question in your head, The answer to that question was really something that you think you need that everyone else around you seems to have, but you don't have that. So everyone else has got it, but you don't. So maybe as you answered that question, you were going, more than anything else in the the world, I need to be happy because I just feel depressed all the time. But everyone else around me is normal, but I just feel, feel crap all the time. Maybe that was what you were thinking. Um, maybe, this is pretty serious, but maybe you're looking around going, more than anything else in the world, what I need is a family that actually cares about me because it seems like most people have got that, but I don't feel like I've got that. Maybe as you kind of looked around, you went, more than anything else in the world, what I need is to be better looking because everyone else is so much better looking than me and I'm so ugly, there's people shaking their heads at me right now. So maybe, maybe you're feeling like that. Maybe you genuinely feel like more than anything else, everyone else just looks normal But I look ugly and I don't want to look like that. There might be heaps of different stuff you guys would answer that question. What you need could be shaped by things that would just be awesome to have and that would be sick or maybe it's shaped by wanting something that it seems like everyone else around you has but you don't have that. Maybe that's where you're at. Look up on this screen. What do you reckon this guy's biggest need is? The guy on the ground. Mate, you can't see it from very well. He's sitting on like a little cart thing because he can't walk and he's dragging himself around on the streets in that little trolley thing, begging for money. It's not hard to work out what that guy's biggest need is. A guy just like this, guy just like this guy in this picture, in the story that we just read from the Bible, comes to see Jesus. 
And the reason he's coming to see Jesus is because Jesus, up until this point, has been healing people left, right and centre. All over the place has been these people who've got these huge needs, stuff's going on, they've got skin diseases, heaps of stuff, and Jesus has been healing them. And a guy just like this come and meets Jesus, comes and meets Jesus in this story. Let me set the scene for you guys. Listen up or you've got a Bible there as well. Verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, from everywhere, were sitting there and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. And so what you've got there is two things. There's people who've come from everywhere, all these different towns, all these places, and all of them want to see Jesus because they know what's been going on. And it says that the power is there for him to heal the sick. So it's like he's primed and ready to heal people. And then look at who turns up. It's a guy just like this. Verse 18. Some men carrying a paralytic, a guy who can't walk, on a mat, came and they tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. So someone just like this has turned up to see Jesus. His friends are carrying him on a mat because they didn't have wheelchairs or anything like that back then. They weren't going to get him around any way easy. They had to carry him there. And guys, life for this guy would have been hard. It would have been really hard. This guy would be filthy from sitting on the ground all day begging for his food and for his money. Um, he wouldn't have, if, if his friends didn't pick him up on the mat and carry him, he wasn't getting around. He'd spend all day in the same place, just sitting, which was probably good because he had to beg to earn a living anyway. But if this guy could just walk, everything would be different. It's a huge deal that this guy needs to see Jesus. So look at what happens, verse 19, listen up. When they could not find a way to do this, to come and see Jesus, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, this guy is stinging to see Jesus. He's so keen to see Jesus. When they can't fit in the door because it's all crowded, they're like, all right, we'll go on through the roof. They go up on the roof. They're like flat houses back then. They're up there. Dig through this guy's ceiling who they don't know and lower their friend through the hole in the roof, kind of tiles crumbling down in the room. And this guy comes down in front of this big crowd of people and is sat there before Jesus. And you can kind of imagine like this hectic tension in the air as everyone's like there's a guy who just came in for the roof and now I've got dust on me and what's going on and and everyone's just looking to see what Jesus is doing gonna do and there's like little bits of dust kind of sprinkling in through the air it's all there ready to go the power there's re- the power for him to heal is ready to go and then look at what Jesus says verse 20 when Jesus saw their faith he said friends your sins are forgiven what your sins are forgiven He sees their faith and he says, your sins are forgiven. I reckon if I was that guy, at first I'd be like, what the heck? What? Dude, my leg, I'm I'm lying down. I'm like, my legs, what are you talking about? I reckon you'd feel ripped off if you were that guy. He'd be like, what are you talking? I came here to get healed. Now, it sounds pretty crazy at first, I reckon. I reckon you're meant to hear that and go, your sins are forgiven. This dude needs to walk. That's what you're meant to think. But if you think about it a little bit more, Something huge is being said. Something huge is being said. We're learning here what Jesus thinks this guy's biggest need is. This might sound crazy, but what this is saying is that 
this guy's biggest need, like this guy in this picture, like the guy in the story, his biggest need is not to walk again, as big a deal as that is. His biggest need is to have his sins forgiven. That's what we're, that's what we're learning here. Now, that may sound crazy to you, but think about this for one second. If this is true, think about this for one second. If God is real, all this stuff is real, sin is rebellion against God, all right? A lot of people have all sorts of ideas about what sin is. Sin is not treating each other right, but more importantly, it's not treating God right, okay? That's what sin is. And the Bible says, just like Jake was talking about in his testify, that the punishment for sin is eternal hell. That's how serious God is about sin, because it is that big a deal. And so if that is true, and that's what Jesus says is the case... No matter how much this guy needs to walk or no matter whatever it is you need, no matter how big a deal that stuff is, more than this guy needs to walk, you need to be forgiven of your sins. That's what the Bible's saying here. And so guys, do you realize what your biggest need is? You might have had all sorts of things in your head when I asked you that question at the start. But seriously, do you realize what your biggest need is? Have you worked that out yet? When you walked in the door here and you're having a fun time, did you have any idea what your biggest need is as you sit in your seat tonight? Because the Bible says more than this guy needs to walk, all of us need forgiveness. If that's true, that's a big deal. But here's the second thing that's absolutely crazy. Here's the incredible part of this story, right? The solution to that problem, the answer to that huge need that we have is a completely free gift. Forgiveness is a free gift from God. See, notice that this guy who comes to Jesus, he doesn't do anything except come to Jesus. That's all he does. He doesn't kind of live a good life first and really clean himself up and then come to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you forgive me now? He doesn't start going to church or start an orphanage or do something hectic. All this guy does is he knows that he needs Jesus. He comes to Jesus and, he, and when he does that, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. It really is that simple. He freely offers forgiveness. And all that this guy has going for him, the only thing he does is he has faith in Jesus. That's it. That's a pretty big deal. I don't know what you were thinking you were going to hear tonight as you came to like a churchy type thing, maybe you thought someone was going to come and tell you to be real good. No, you need faith in Jesus. That's it. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, that sounds like a good thing. All we need is faith. You guys need to actually understand what faith is, okay? I reckon there's all sorts of weird ideas out there about what faith is. It's kind of like this spiritual, I don't know, magic and if you've got enough of it you'll be saved or whatever maybe you think that faith is believing in stuff that's very unbelievable all those things are wrong faith is basically just the opposite of doing stuff okay faith is the opposite of doing stuff faith is just trusting someone else to do it for you that's all it is i'll give you an illustration all right i'll give you a little example like imagine i don't know how this happens but i don't know you guys get out of hand you're enjoying double up way too much and someone chops off my arm okay so my arm's been lopped off and i'm in a bad situation an example of me doing stuff is like me grabbing that arm 
kind of trying to stick the bones back together, sewing it together kind of thing. Or maybe I'm like, this is no good. I grab like a prop from one of your costumes and shove like a mannequin arm in there or something like that. And I'm doing all these things to try and fix myself up. (laughs) What I really need to do is just trust someone else to do it for me, all right? And so here's what I do. I call an ambulance and I wait. I wait for the ambulance to come. They take me to hospital. They take me to some surgeon. They sew my arm back on and I'm all Luke Skywalker ready to go, okay? That's what faith is. Faith, it's pretty simple. It's the opposite of doing stuff. It's just trusting someone else to do it for you, trusting them for what you need. Now, in this case, what we need to do with Jesus is we just need to trust him to save us and stop looking to all sorts of other things like being good or doing whatever else you think you need to do to earn your way to heaven. Stop trying to earn your way to heaven. Trust Jesus. That's faith. It's pretty easy, yeah? Seems almost too easy. It's like, what, what the heck? This is, all I've got to do is trust is Jesus, God. That's it. It really is that simple, guys. <laughs> That's what God requires of us, to trust him. It's free for us. <laughs> it's absolutely free. It is that easy. But it costs Jesus a whole lot. The Bible says that the reason we can just come to Jesus and trust him and we're forgiven is because Jesus gave up his life for us and died on the cross and took God's anger at our sin on himself like, like a mate who jumps in front of a bullet for a friend and takes a bullet from us. Like that was, that's what Jesus does with God's anger at our sin. And so the punishment is paid All we need to do is trust Jesus and he offers us forgiveness freely. And guys, that's, that's, if this is true, I don't know what you think about this, you may not believe a word of it, but if this is true, guys, that is the best news you've ever heard. Your biggest problem really is that you need forgiveness and the answer is to trust Jesus. That is good news. I reckon one of the the big things that stops people from becoming a Christian, when that's all it is, that's all there is to it, I reckon one of the big things that stops people becoming a Christian is that they just don't think it's true. Free forgiveness of sins, that sounds heaps good, but I could do that. Like you in the front row, dude, with the Oreo box, your sins are forgiven, man. I forgive your sins. I forgive your sins, I forgive your sins. Anyone can say they forgive people's sins. That's really easy to do. But how do we know that Jesus really is the guy who can offer this forgiveness. Turn to the person next to you. You can pretend to forgive their sins if you want, but it doesn't mean that their sins are forgiven. You don't have to do that. Stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, listen up, listen up. The last thing that this passage shows us that I really want us to see tonight is this. I I want you to see the proof that Jesus offers that he really is God and so therefore he really can forgive sins. So remember in the story, Jesus goes, friends, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, sick, that's heaps good. Look at what the people around him start to say. Look at verse 21. So Jesus has just said, your sins are forgiven. Verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Did you catch that? Who's this guy who's saying that your sins are forgiven? No one can forgive sins except God alone. Now, these guys are kind of right, 
but they're also massively wrong. I'll tell you how they're right. Only God can forgive sins. Like, Warwick, if you punch some little dude next to you, right, you punch him in the face, don't do it, but if you did, and I was like, Warwick, don't worry about it, I forgive your sins, man, your sins are forgiven. He's like, what the heck? He didn't punch you, he punched me. You can't forgive what he's done. You get the point? If sin is against God, only God can forgive sin. So these guys are kind of right. What the heck? Who is this guy? Except they're massively wrong because of who Jesus actually is. Because look at what Jesus does next. Verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralyzed man i tell you get up take your mat go home and immediately he stood up in front of them he took what he'd been lying on put it under his arm and went home praising god do you catch what went on there he starts by asking him a question what's easier to say Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. One of those things is much more significant. One of them is a much bigger deal to forgive someone's sins. That's the hard thing. But it's much easier to say it. You guys understand that? I'll give you an example. Imagine, I I do actually, just, just quietly, I've got superpowers. I can move stuff around with my mind, okay? And so you tell me which is a bigger deal. For me to move that microphone like a meter closer, like just go and move it with my mind. Or to move Africa a metre closer, which is harder, which is a harder thing to do. Africa's a, a big deal. It's a continent. That's just a microphone. Now, guys, I'll move Africa for you right now. You ready for it? Okay. Yeah, Africa's a metre closer now. It's done. Oh, whatever. Okay. Africa's a metre closer, right? That was pretty easy. But there's no way you can know whether I've done that. That's what's going on here. Jesus is saying the bigger deal is to forgive sins, but so that you know that I can do that, I'll do the smaller thing right here in front of you so you can see just who I really am. And so he says, get up, take your mat and go home. And just like that, this guy who's been paralyzed for how many years, I don't know, he picks up the mat that people have been carrying him around on, shoves it under his arm and heads home. Jesus can forgive your sins and he shows that that's the case. He shows that that's, that, that that is true by doing this incredible thing in front of these people. He shows that he has the power of a sickness like only God does. See, notice he doesn't pray to God and ask God to heal this man. He commands him to get up and walk away because he knows it's done, because he has done it. He is God. Now, guys, we're going to finish up in a minute. But before we do, I want to tackle one more thing. I reckon at this point, the only thing that's really stopping you guys from going, okay, I need forgiveness, Jesus is a solution to that, I've got to trust him. The only thing that's probably stopping you at this point is you're not sure that what the Bible is saying here is actually true. You might be like, that's sweet. If that really happened, if you really did heal that guy just like that, well, then maybe Jesus is God and maybe he can offer me forgiveness. But, man, how do I even know that the Bible is true at all? Now... I've been wrestling this week trying to work out how much I can say about all this stuff tonight because it's important. I wish I could do like a whole talk just on this thing, Uh, but I just don't have time to do everything I want to do with this tonight. So I'm just going to give you guys a taster of some of the reasons 
why I'm confident that what the Bible says here is actually what really happened. This stuff really did happen, okay? I'll give you a taster. If you want to chase it down, come talk to me tonight and I'll give you some ideas of some other places you can start to think about this stuff. But here's three quick reasons why I believe that the Bible is really true when it says the stuff that it says about Jesus. Number one, what was written down in the Bible did not change. This is going to be quick, all right? What was written down in the Bible did not change. It's heaps clear that what I've got here in front of me, and if you've got a Bible, what's in front of you is a really good translation into English from the original thing that was written down. It's really clear that that's the case. Some people have this idea, right, that the Bible is like a massive game of Chinese whispers. You heard this idea? Where they kind of go, okay, so they wrote something back then, but then someone else copied it, and it's a little bit different, a little bit different, and then eventually it turned into this thing that's completely different from the beginning. Now, the dudes who were writing it weren't trying to play Chinese whispers. They were trying to write it down as perfectly as they could. And if you look at all the evidence of all the books of the Bible that we've got written down in history and look at all the scrolls and compare them, what you'll see is that we have ridiculously good copies of copies of copies that haven't changed over time. And so anyone who looks into this stuff is very confident that if anything in history is true, it's true that what we've got written down in front of us here is really what was written down to begin with. Second thing that people will say, though, is that, yeah, sure, what was written down here is what was written down back then. That sounds good. But how do we know that the guys who wrote it aren't lying? Well, guys, the people who saw this stuff, the people who the writer of this book, Luke, is getting this information from, died for their story. Almost all of them did. The claims about Jesus, the things he did, that he healed guys like this paralytic, that he rose from the dead, that wasn't popular stuff to go around saying. If you told people that back then, you got killed for it. People didn't like hearing it. And many of the witnesses of Jesus' life literally died for their story. 11 of the 12 disciples who followed him around were killed because they wouldn't shut up about this Jesus guy who really did do these things. Here's the third thing. This isn't just some myth, okay? People have got this idea that it's just like kind of blown out of proportion. You know, so Jesus is walking through the water and someone's like, he's walking through the water. And, they, and then they go, no, I heard he was walking on the water. And then it all gets blown out of proportion. That's not what's happened. This isn't some myth that was written down years and years after it happened. The people who saw it were alive, the witnesses of it were alive when this stuff was written down. And so if it wasn't true, people would have said, this is a lie, that's not how it happened, I was there, I saw it. But no one came forward and wrecked this big hoax that's called Christianity. That's not how it went down. People kept on dying for this truth that they knew was the case. No one ever exposes a big hoax. And that until eventually, 2,000 years later, here we are in a room with hundreds of people who believe this truth about Jesus in a world where billions of people believe that Jesus really is God. That's what's happened. This isn't just some myth. And so, guys, here's the bottom line. Jesus really did heal that crippled guy. He did. He did rise from the dead. He is the Son of God, and he is the only chance anyone's got for forgiveness. That's where it's at. Your biggest problem is that you, you're a sinner. You need to be forgiven more than that guy from that picture needs to walk. 
That's reality. The solution, guys, is so simple. Just trust Jesus. Come to him. Put your trust in him as the one who saves you and put your trust in him now as your God. So start living with Jesus as your God. Not because that is the thing you do to earn your forgiveness. It's the only right response to this guy, Jesus. Trust him for your salvation. Trust him to be your God as you live for him. And so guys, will you, will you trust Jesus tonight? If you're not already, will you trust Jesus tonight? Becoming a Christian isn't like some weird mystical thing, right? It's not as if you need to have some experience or feel certain feelings or whatever or come from a Christian family. You might have all sorts of weird ideas about what it means to become a Christian. It's actually pretty simple. It's huge, but it's also pretty simple. It's trusting in Jesus to save you and to be your king. And so, guys, if you want to do that tonight, do it. Why wouldn't you? If you're convinced that Jesus really did do these things, then put your trust in him. And that's you becoming a Christian. Now, um, praying a prayer is not something that makes you a Christian. It's not as if there's some special prayer you pray that you do and then you become a Christian or whatever. But praying is a great way to tell God who you're now trusting in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. If you want to be a Christian, you want to tell God who you're trusting in, pray that prayer in your heart, in your head, along with me, repeat it after me. And that's you telling God where your trust is. It's you becoming a Christian. I'm going to pray if you want to become a Christian, tell God. Let's pray. God, we're sorry for our sin. God, thank you for Jesus who died to save me from my sin. God, help me to trust you and help me to live with you as my king. Amen.